Hour number two of the morning after begins. It is a college football hour for you on your Tuesday, looking back at week number one and looking ahead to week number two and what the college football playoff and Heisman Trophy picture look like after the first full action of college football this season. I am Ben Stevens. You are listening on Sirius XM channel 204. My usual co-host Ariel Epstein not here today. She has the day off and rightfully so. So for the second hour, we are joined by Sports Grid's very own college football analyst Joe Lisi you can catch him every Saturday morning previewing the entire slate of college football from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time on college football today along with Scott Wetzel Joe it is a pleasure to have you here I can think of no better man to look back at weekend number one of college football and look ahead to how the college football season is going to play out for the rest of the way especially taking an early look ahead to week number two thank you for being here after a long Labor Day weekend well, Ben, I tell you what, the week one of college football didn't disappoint. We had great games across the board. Pick your poison, right? We had a lower-scoring game in Camp Randall between Penn State, Wisconsin, another lower-scoring game with Georgia-Clemson, and then we blew it out of the park with Notre Dame and Florida State. So week one got off to a great start for college football. Have, have my eyes set on week number two. A great marquee slate really across the entire weekend. A couple of upsets seem to be happening. Tulane giving OU all they could handle in Norman. Fresno State looking to knock down number 11, Oregon. The Ducks holding on, as did the Sooners. But, Joe, let's focus on one of those games that you mentioned right there. The top five tilt on Saturday night in primetime. Georgia, the fifth-ranked Bulldogs, knocking off number three, Clemson, in what was not a game for everybody that loved offense, but if you love defense and very high-quality football, you enjoyed yourself on a Saturday evening. Georgia winning 10-3, allowing the fewest of points to an opponent since 1936 in program history. That's in the AP poll era, the second-fewest points Georgia allowed to Clemson, only giving up three, facing a top five opponent. So now, Joe, when you look at what Georgia did on Saturday night, what are your thoughts on where the Bulldogs stand? Now the second shortest odds to win the college football playoff national championship on FanDuel at 4-1. to one. Yeah, I mean, they stepped up seven total sacks against DJU, the pick six that really changed the landscape of that matchup. And and just from a defensive front seven, they are just as good as the Alabama Crimson Tide from a defensive perspective. Now, I needed to see a little bit more from JT Daniels. Obviously, the front seven carried them in this ball game, But from a schedule perspective, Ben, there's really not a team on the schedule outside of Florida, maybe Auburn, that can challenge Georgia the rest of the way. So it really is clear sailing to an SEC championship against right now the Alabama Crimson Tide that proved that they're the best team in college football with a dominant effort over Miami. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But again, right here, right now, that front seven stepped up and really dominated over to the Clemson Tigers. And we'll look at some of those conference outrights coming up next segment to see how the market has moved for some of those Power 5 leagues with Georgia looking as dominant as they did, as did the number one team in the country in Alabama. Joe, now Georgia's yes to make the college football playoff has the juice. They are minus 126 in the minus money category to make the CFP. Clemson also still in that minus money to make the college football playoff at minus 164 as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the second hour of the morning after it's a college football hour with Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. You are listening on Sirius XM channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast as well. So Clemson, Joe, 
had the longest odds to make the college football playoff entering Saturday night's game in the entire country. They were minus 650 to make the college football playoff. They are still minus money to make the CFP at minus 164, still minus 750 to win the ACC Conference Championship. Where do you think Clemson stands now, Joe? Did the loss to Georgia hurt their chances to make the college football playoff in a way you do not think they can overcome the rest of the way? I don't think so, Ben. The fact that it was a seven-point game, if they would have lost this matchup by like double digits, 10, 13, or even 20 points in a blowout, then you could say Clemson's on the outside looking in. But to lose by seven points, a pick six, and their defense didn't give up an offensive touchdown to Georgia. So, I mean, I think as long as they navigate through the ACC schedule, they're going to be there. Now, from 2014, they are 58-5 and straight up against ACC opponents. They don't play Miami in the regular season. We're going to have to see what, what transpires. The ACC as a whole had basically a down week. So, with Miami getting blown out, uh, by Alabama, and you saw what happened to Louisville. Not a very good effort, but there's the opportunity to rebound this week, especially with NC State on the road against Mississippi State. You have Pittsburgh on the road against Tennessee, two SEC opponents. If they could get two victories, maybe the ACC can be back on track. But Clemson's going to be there, make no mistake about it. Barring any potential slip-up by an SEC-caliber team like Georgia or Alabama, for that matter, Clemson's going to be right there on the outside looking in week number 15 of the college football season. The Tigers have won six straight ACC titles. They were minus 900 to repeat for a seventh time prior to the season, although they lost to Georgia, still minus 750 to win the ACC Conference Championship, a clear indication from the FanDuel Sportsbook that the Clemson Tigers will be back in Charlotte with a great chance to win another ACC title. Like Joe mentioned, not a great week for the conference overall, though, in the Atlantic Coast. All three of their top 15 teams falling with Clemson, North Carolina and Miami going down in big ways. So much to get to when we talk the conference slate in college football, how the market has moved around the country and who still has the best shot to win their conference titles. That's coming up next here on the morning after Sirius XM channel 204. There are a lot. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM Channel 204 with Joe Lisi for the second hour all about college football. I am Ben Stevens. A couple of college football guys looking back on the week that was in the college football slate and looking ahead to week number two. It's game week in the NFL. It's already been game week in the college football season. And although, Joe, it was just one Saturday, or really a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday of a full weekend slate of college football, we have seen tons of movement in the markets to win conference championships. Looking at those outright markets on the FanDuel Sportsbook, I think more evident than most 
in the SEC because there is a clear separation between the two teams at the top from the rest of the other 12 teams in that conference. When you look at Alabama and their complete dismantling of Miami, covering as a 19.5 point favorite on Saturday, and then also Georgia pulling off the upset, not a big upset, but an upset over number three, Clemson. There is a clear distinction, Joe, between those two teams at the top and the rest of the Southeastern Conference. Alabama entered the season as a minus 160 odds-on favorite to win the SEC championship. They are now minus 175 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Georgia, despite the big win over Clemson, 10 cents of movement against them from plus 190, now at 2-1 to one to win the SEC Conference title. Joe, when you saw what Alabama did to Miami on Saturday, how much do you agree with the movement even more in their favor at the top of the SEC market. Well, there was no drop in production. That that was the biggest thing. Bryce Young, four touchdown passes. They lose Devontae Smith. They lose Jalen Waddell and Najee Harris. And this offense just doesn't miss a beat. On top of Steve Sarkeesian coaching his first game at Texas, right? So, I mean, you saw Bill O'Brien just dial it up. That offense of line played dominant, gave Bryce Young opportunities. And he played, I'm telling you, he played like a senior in that ballgame. I mean, he was poised, showed great pocket presence locating his wide receivers and that defensive front seven just all they do is reload baby so just a, a full-blown effort by Nick Saban and the crew they have now won 20 straight week one matchups I mean just the clearly the best team in the in the country but I will say this if there are potential teams that can maybe challenge Alabama the rest of the way Keep an eye for that game next weekend in the swamp against Florida and Emory Jones. Another mobile quarterback playing on the road, even though this game was on the neutral field site for Bryce Young. That's going to be a tough environment in the swamp against Dan Mullen and the crew. Alabama won 44-13, so Nick Saban now in his 15 years at the helm of the Alabama Crimson Tide football program. A perfect 15-0 in week one openers. 13 and 2 against the spread. It is profitable to back Nick Saban even when his team is hanging 19 and a half points as a favorite on a neutral field. And I thought Joe like you mentioned, the defense was truly tremendous on Saturday against Miami, De'Ara King and that potent offense under Rhett Lashley. And that was a thing that I think a lot of Alabama fans were pleasantly surprised to see because even despite the fact that Alabama won a national championship last year. If there was a small knock on the Crimson Tide entering that game, it might have been the defense, although they tremendously improved throughout last year's SEC slate was the top defense in all the SEC by the time the end of the year came. It's that this defense now looked like dominant defensive sides from the early 2010 under Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. So I think Alabama, the most complete team. But I think, Joe, when the AP poll is released at noon Eastern today, reflecting what happened week number one, I think Georgia is going to be the number two team in the country. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I, I do, because they knocked off a top five opponent in Clemson on a neutral field. And let's not forget that, you know, Clemson, uh, Georgia has gone toe to toe with Alabama in recent years, pushed them to the limit in the national championship game, lost in overtime. They had them on the ropes in the SEC championship game a few years ago and Jalen Hurts pulled that game out. So just from the public perception, Georgia seems like the best shot to knock off the Alabama Crimson Tide within the conference. Even though LSU did it with Joe Burrow, they got blown out at home in Baton Rouge. They lose this ball game on the road in the Rose Bowl. So clearly, just from the public perception, after the dominance over DJU from a deep from the defensive side of the ball, Georgia clearly is the second best team in the conference and second best team in the nation heading into week number two. 
LSU was a trendy pick by a lot, including myself, to maybe be a sneaky team in the SEC, losing on the road in the Rose Bowl against UCLA certainly hurt their chances. They went from 25 to 1 to win the SEC in the eyes of the FanDuel Sportsbook, now to 50 to 1 to win the SEC Conference Championship. Like we mentioned, Alabama, a minus 175 odds on favorite to win the SEC. Georgia at plus 200. Both of those teams also the two shortest odds to win the entire national championship. Alabama, the favorite at plus 180. Georgia moving from 5 to 1 to 4 to 1 with the second shortest odds now currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We talked about one of those SEC teams, Joe, going out west to take on UCLA. Well, there has been tons of movement in the Pac-12 market as well. It was not a great weekend for one of the divisions in the Pac-12. The North Division certainly struggled. Washington getting upset big time. Oregon getting all that it could handle against Fresno State. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 South Looks really, really solid. USC, a big win over San Jose State. They look dominant in that win over the Spartans. And, of course, in one of the nightcaps on Saturday night, a little Pac-12 after dark, UCLA handling the number 16 team in the country in LSU, winning 38-27. to The ground game under Chip Kelly, Joe, looks really, really good for a second straight year. Britton Brown, Zach Charbonnet, and DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, certainly have that team out in Westwood playing their home games in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl, humming on all cylinders. Now as you look at the Pac-12 divisional odds, Joe, on the FanDuel Sportsbook, or conference outright odds, I should say, how do you think the Pac-12 shapes up the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, right now you have to look at USC, and I think you still look to Utah. You know, a gutty win in, in terms of their week one matchup from a defensive perspective. I mean, how how important were those week two games for Oregon and Washington, respectively, in, in potential look-ahead spots, right? Oregon's on the road in Columbus. We have Washington on the road in Ann Arbor. How did the, that factor into their week one uh, performances? I think that's something that you need to take into account. But USC, to me, played a very blue-collar team in San Jose State with Brett Brennan. This was a team that had a game under their belt, a blue-collar offense and defense alliance, and they went toe-to-toe with the Spartans in that matchup from a defensive perspective, stepped up. As long as Keaton Slovis and that offense can develop, I like USC's chances heading into into week number two and beyond to potentially hoist the Pac-12 championship. Let's not forget they were there last year, did not close the door against Oregon. And when you look at UCLA, I mean, credit Chip Kelly and, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. This was a team under Chip Kelly, 10-21 and 21 in his three years there. More importantly, 10-15 and 15 in Pac-12 play. They took it to LSU, more physical on the offense and defensive lines. Phillips stepped up. Coda, their wide receiver, stepped up. As long as they can run the football consistently and stay in manageable third downs, this could be a team to beat or at least challenge USC for the title. I need to see a little bit more, though, from Chick Kelly. Dominant effort. I'm not taking away from that win over LSU, but let's see the consistency because that's been the M.O. of UCLA. Sometimes they play down to the level of competition and, and lose games that they shouldn't. So these next few weeks are critical for the Bruins to win a championship. The Bruins now an unbeaten 2-0 because they also dominated against Hawaii in the Rose Bowl week zero, winning 44-10. And Joe, I think when you look at that graphic there of the odds to win the Pac-12 championship, you see that grouping of the four teams in contention to win the Pac-12 South. I think it will ultimately be decided by who wins that division, who might be the most likely Pac-12 champion. You have Arizona State, USC, and Utah all at plus 400 to win the Pac-12. UCLA just behind 
behind at plus 500. UCLA was a team that had four digits next to their name to win the Pac-12 just a couple of days ago. Now their odds getting shorter and shorter by the week after an impressive victory over 16th ranked LSU. The Bruins plus 500. I expect them to be ranked in the newest AP poll that will be released at noon Eastern today. Oregon, although they got tested, still 1-0. The favorites to win the Pac-12 South right now at plus 300. They hit the road this week to take on the number four team in the country in Ohio State. It will be an intriguing matchup between the Ducks and the Buckeyes. A question for Oregon. One of their best defensive players, one of the best defensive ends in all of college football, Kayvon Thibodeau, had to leave that opener against the Fresno State Bulldogs. His status uncertain at the moment for that game against ohio state you want to talk ohio state you want to talk sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. I am Ben Stevens, joined along with Joe Lisi here for the second hour where we are talking college football. And one of the movements that happened in the market this weekend that probably had most of that drastic movement was in the Heisman Trophy candidacy markets. Big performances and marquee matchups all dotted across the slate certainly caused this market to move. So, of course, it is time for market movers. So, Joe, this was the market I was most looking forward to to see what the movement would look like following week number one. We had big time performances, top 15 matchups abound. And how would that look from some of the most stellar performances from this weekend? When you look at the top right now, you will see Alabama's Bryce Young. He moved from 11 to 1 back on January 5th, now to plus 3. 50. The heavy favorite in this category was some of the most drastic movement. To be that short at plus 350 is rather surprising. Then you could look at Matt Corral from 40 to 1 to now 7 to 1 after a great performance and win for the Ole Miss Running Rebels against the Louisville Cardinals last night. Spencer Rattler was the favorite all preseason long entering week number one. He moved from plus 500 now to 10 to 1 after a shaky performance at best against Tulane. Then you could look at C.J. Stroud from 50 to 1 to 10 to 1, the starting quarterback for Ohio State. A great second half after a dismal first half against Minnesota. And then J.T. Daniels from 8 to 1 to 20 to 1, not his best performance in a defensive slugfest against Clemson. Sam Howell goes from 14 to 1 to 25 to 1 after UNC is upset in Blacksburg on Friday night against Virginia Tech. So, Joe, when you look across some of this movement, we have seen in the Heisman Trophy market. What catches your eye first? 
Well, I mean, the biggest thing is how Matt Corral went from basically 25 to 1 down to 7 to 1. I mean, a complete domination over a good Louisville team, but not an elite defense, right? Puts up over 300 yards, gets some gr- uh, yards on the ground. But in that primetime performance, he basically catapults to second best on the board. That shows you what primetime does in terms of some of these potential Heisman, you know, trophy candidates, right? Bryce Young as well. Primetime Saturday at 3.30 against Miami, the recognizable name, and throws four touchdown passes. I think in order for in order to pick a Heisman trophy winner, Ben, I've always said this, that you you not it's not only a performance, it's does the team have a shot at a potential college football playoff appearance. That's the biggest thing. Now, when we look at Matt Corral, he's going to have his opportunity to come early October when he goes on the road in Tuscaloosa to face Bryce Young. They put up 48 points on that defense last year. If he duels Bryce Young and, let's say, pushes Alabama to the limit in that matchup, he can definitely, obviously, jump uh, Bryce Young in that type of situation. So that's going to be the matchup to watch between both of those players. I think when you look at Sam Howell and JT Daniels right now, Sam Howell, 51% completion percentage against Virginia Tech on the road, 208 yards. You lose that ball game. I don't know if he can get back into the race. And then JT Daniels as well. Even though the team might go undefeated, he hasn't done enough, especially from a production standpoint, especially after week one, to really catapult his team or really say JT Daniels is the main reason why Georgia's fighting for a national championship. So I think that's clearly where we stand right now. If you want to take a shot, like I mentioned, I mean, Keaton Slovis at 40-1, to 1, if you believe in USC, they're going to have the type of resume to play UCLA later in the year. Keaton Slovis could be an outside dark horse as well as 40-1. to 1. Joe, I think that's a great call. And when you're looking for value now, I actually think you might be able to find some once again on JT Daniels because he was the third favorite to win the Heisman Trophy for much of this preseason. Now he's moved from 8-1 to one to 20-1 to one currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And although he didn't put up any sexy numbers against Clemson, a very good defense, if Georgia is going to be one of the top two teams in the country all season long in contention for that SEC Conference Championship, if JT Daniels does start padding the stats and adding some good numbers he could certainly be a part of this Heisman Trophy race once again and there is value at plus 2,000 my eye first goes to Bryce Young because although he is the starting quarterback for Alabama and although that will always be a very public price and name to follow to go from 11 to 1 to plus 350 after one performance is quite shocking four touchdowns and over 300 yards against Miami but to be that short now plus 350 To win the Heisman Trophy is pretty outstanding for the Alabama signal caller after making his first career start against Miami. That is way too short of a price to back in this market as of right now. But as we always stress, if you are going to look to the Heisman Trophy, quarterback is a great position to look at because 17 of the past 21 Heisman Trophy winners have played the quarterback position. I also, Joe, look at Spencer Rattler because it was not a great performance against Tulane on Saturday in Norman. Yes, an official road game as this game had to be moved from New Orleans due to Hurricane Ida. But this was a game that I think a lot of Oklahoma fans were looking at and expecting Spencer Rattler to put up huge numbers as a part of what was expected to be one of the best offenses in all of college football. OU scored 40 points. Don't get me wrong, but when you look at the stat line for Spencer Rattler, 30 of 39, 
304 yards, a touchdown, but also two interceptions in a game the Sooners truly got tested down to the wire against the Tulane Green Wave when they were big, big favorites. Minus 31 and a half was Oklahoma entering that game on Saturday in Norman against Tulane. I think, Joe, when you look at that game, it was a game you probably expected to have as a part of Spencer Rattler's Heisman highlight reel, tossing four or five touchdowns against this Green Wave team. It was not the case for Spencer Rattler, so he had the shortest odds all preseason. We mentioned plus 500 when these odds came out back in early January, but even entering Saturday was plus 650 to win the Heisman Trophy. By far the shortest odds on the board. No value then, still not great value now at 10 to 1. I actually expected him to have worse odds than where he stands at plus 1,000, the third shortest odds on the board behind Bryce Young and behind Matt Corral. So, Joe, I think when you look at Spencer Rattler, although the market has moved against him, where do you think he stands in this Heisman Trophy race trying to lead Oklahoma back after a shaky start to their 2021 campaign? Well, he did this last year, right? In the first three games, he threw four picks, lost two games to Kansas State and Iowa State, respectively. But he's going to have an opportunity. Let's not forget he does play Nebraska on primetime. That's going to be a, a, a all-eyes type of game, even though, you know, Nebraska's down entering this matchup. If people will recognize that type of performance. So as long as he can bounce back in a big way and get back on track for a Big 12 play, he's going to have a, a shot at least. he play Iowa State. He'll play West. Virginia. He'll also play Oklahoma State at the end of the year along with Texas, right? As the, It will really help Spencer Rattler the more that Texas wins. So if Texas goes out, dominates Arkansas this coming Saturday, that's another notch in his belt should he put up dynamic numbers in terms of the Red River rivalry against the Texas Longhorns. So there will be an opportunity. The biggest thing for Oklahoma is they have a tendency to play down to the level of competition. They almost lost that ball game to Tulane if Michael Pratt makes that first down, they could be on life support right now. So I think as an Oklahoma Sooner fan, you want to see them dominate the teams that they should and not not really lose these type of ball games because that's kept them out of the college football playoff in the last couple of seasons. And Joe, Sam Howell, the quarterback for North Carolina, also had the odds work against him in the Heisman Trophy market I think you could pretty much say the argument for Sam Howell to win a Heisman might have been put to bed and I know it's one game on Friday night in Blacksburg against a Virginia Tech team that looked a lot better defensively than I think people even expected out of Justin Fuente and that Hokies defense but when you go on the road in a big spot as a top 10 team and you get upset the road back for North Carolina now is a very long one and Sam Howell was a big reason for a disappointing performance out of the Tar Heels on Friday night. Just 17 of 32, only 208 yards, a touchdown, but three interceptions against Virginia Tech. Never looked comfortable. He goes from 14 to 1 to 25 to 1. He really stayed around that 14, 16 to 1 number all preseason long when you were leading into this 2021 college football campaign, the fifth shortest odds on the board for a good majority of this time leading up to the college football regular season. Although at 25 to one, he still has an outside shot of being a Heisman Trophy candidate. I'm not sure the argument is there to be made any longer. We talked about Matt Corral going from 40 to one to seven to one currently plus 4,000 was where he stood back in January, but the market has moved in Matt Corral's favor all preseason long. He was 14-1 entering weekend number one of the college football campaign against Louisville. And the numbers you saw him put up last night, 
probably aren't even the best numbers Matt Corral and that Ole Miss offense will put up throughout this season. A team that ranked in the top five in total offense last year in college football. When you look at Matt Corral's stat line last night against the Cards, 22 of 32, 381 yards, a touchdown, 55 yards on the ground, utilizing his legs as well. And another score in the pay dirt in the run game for Matt Corral. You can expect these numbers, if not better, all year long for a Ole Miss team that just airs it out all over the yard, Joe. So if you're looking from a numbers perspective, if Ole Miss is going to be a team that wins around eight games this year, only about 30 seconds left in this break, I think we can expect to see Matt Corral toward the top of the Heisman Trophy race. Yeah, I mean, it goes down to that Alabama game, Ben. If he performs very well against Alabama, he's going to have a shot no matter what the team record is, assuming that they're above 500, right? That's the biggest thing. They can't be a 5-7 and seven football team, him throw for 5,000 yards. So we'll have to see what they do over the next few weeks. But that game in Tuscaloosa will be critical for Matt Corral. C.J. Stroud with the third shortest odds on the board tied alongside Spencer Rattler at 10-1. to The quarterback for Ohio State made his first start against Minnesota. Looked shaky in the first 30 minutes, but four touchdowns in the second half for a win against the Golden Gophers. A big opportunity on Saturday against Oregon. Speaking of Saturday, speaking of week number two, we look ahead at some early college football lines for weekend number two of the CFB slate. Joe Lisi and I do that coming up next after the break. Now to spot a sports SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Joe Lisi for the second hour all about college football. I am Ben Stevens. And if you're missing any of the fun happening right now, do not worry whatsoever. Make sure to follow at SportsGrid on Twitter and Instagram and at SportsGrid TV as well to keep up with all the latest information to provide you that winning edge. Line movement, future market movement when it comes to college football, the NFL, Major League Baseball, all of our great information and clips from this show on those two accounts at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. And Joe, talking about line movement, there will be some line movement leading up to weekend number two of college football on Saturday. Games on Friday night as well. I think one of those marquee matchups on Saturday is going to be what we expect a top 15 matchup between Oregon and Ohio State in the shoe in Columbus. Right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Buckeyes a 13 and a half point favorite over Oregon. The Ducks having to make the trip to Ohio to take on the Buckeyes. Week number one for both of these teams. Last Thursday night, Ohio State prevailing and covering another 13 and a half point spread against Minnesota, winning by 14 after a very slow start in that season opener in the Twin Cities. Oregon also got all they could bargain for against Fresno State. The Ducks prevailing by a touchdown, but did not cover as a 19 and a half point favorite against Fresno State. So, Joe, Ohio State a 13 and a half point favorite, the total hovering around 63 and a half. When you look at the lines for this game between the Buckeyes and the Ducks, what catches your eye the most? Well, the biggest thing is Will Thibodeau play in this matchup. He is day-to-day heading into this matchup. He was in a walking boot 
Friday against Fresno. And the biggest thing for me is two, twofold, Ben. Can Oregon run the football? We saw uh, Mo Ibrahim rush for 165 yards on that front seven. Can Verdell and Die get some yards on the front seven on the road? If they can, they could stay in manageable third down situations, and that could benefit their quarterback, Anthony Brown. But if they can't run, then I think you go all in on Ohio State. Now, from the series perspective, Ohio State has won nine games against Oregon. They're 9-0 all time against the Ducks. That factors into this matchup. You got to do it, right? You have to step up. If you're Oregon, you're the Pac-12, and you want people to buy into the conference, you got to go into Big Ten country and find a way to at least cover this number. So we'll see how it plays out. Early on, I'm a big dog better from this perspective. I'm going to take the points. I don't love this game, but I would back Oregon in this matchup just from the physicality of the offense and defensive lines. Crystal Ball has coached that up over the last couple of years. Now's your opportunity to showcase that. So I think they can cover this number Saturday afternoon on the road. Joe, it's an intriguing number to me. It's 13 and a half. It's the same exact spread Ohio State had on the road. And I know it was on the road last week against Minnesota in Minneapolis. But now they're going to be hosting a top 15 team whenever the AP poll comes out today at noon Eastern. And they're still a 13 and a half point favorite. Sure, you're getting inside that number of two touchdowns of 14, which is why I liked Ohio State against the spread last week against the Golden Gophers. And sure enough, it worked out for me by the hook. But that seems to be a lofty number against an Oregon team that was not overly impressive on Saturday against Fresno State. And Kayvon Thibodeau, that will be the question. Will he be ready to go? The very talented edge rusher for Oregon's defense. A lot of people projecting him to be a top three, maybe even the number one overall selection in this year's upcoming NFL draft. Anthony Brown for Oregon this past Saturday did not do anything that certainly stood out against that Bulldog defense. But if there was one knock against Ohio State from that comeback win over Minnesota, it was that the defense, especially the secondary, did not look good once again under Kerry Combs. It was what held Ohio State back last year did not seem to have all that much improvement in that week one opener against Minnesota. Getting some defensive pieces possibly back against Oregon, some of their key members in that secondary could go a long way for Ohio State. But an intriguing number sticking around inside 14 at 13 and a half. I think this will be a number that moves a decent amount by the time we get to Saturday, a noon Eastern kick, big noon kickoff between Ohio State and Oregon. Not to focus too much on the Big Ten teams, Joe, but another great game featuring a Big Ten team on Saturday, the Cyhawk Trophy between Iowa and Iowa State. It will be, by all estimations, a top 15 matchup between the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones, a series history that has been dominated by the Hawks, especially here as of late. Iowa looked very impressive in their season opening win over 17th ranked Indiana. Iowa State got tested by Northern Iowa. Right now, the game is set to be played in Ames, Iowa. The Hawkeyes, a four and a half point road underdog against their rivals, the Cyclones. Joe, it will be a top 15, if not a top 10 tilt on Saturday in the Cyhawk Trophy game. How do you approach this matchup between the Cyclones and the Hawkeyes? Well, from the series perspective, Iowa has won five straight over the Cyclones by an average margin of victory of 13.6 points per game. Did not play last year due to the pandemic a couple of years ago. Was a one-point game, 18-17. to 17. If you're Matt Campbell and you're Brees Hall and Brock Purdy, you need to step up. They're just like Oklahoma in the sense of they tend to play down to the level of competition. Did it last year, week one, against UL Lafayette. Did it this past Saturday against Northern Iowa. 
how to pull that ball game out 16 to 10. You have to find a way to challenge the Iowa Hawkeyes in this battle. The Jack Trice Stadium is going to be jumping in this matchup. I think it comes down to offensive line play for the Cyclones. Can Brees Hall run this football between the tackles? I think they can. I think they have the better quarterback in this matchup and Brock Purdy. They have the better skilled players heading into this matchup. Now they have to believe it and do it. And I still think Matt Campbell's a better head coach than Kirk Ferentz. I think they snapped the streak this coming Saturday. It's a short number. The fact that it's under five, I'm favoring Iowa State. They get it done over Iowa this, this coming Saturday. And as we're looking ahead to Saturday's matchups, the reason we are doing this right now on a Tuesday is because we expect some line movement in these marquee games. College game day will be in Ames, Iowa for the Cyhawk Trophy battle. And I think, Joe, once the AP poll is released, if Iowa is inside that top 10, even if Iowa State might have fallen out of the top 10, if this is a top 10 matchup, a top 15 matchup where Iowa might be the more high ranked team and I think you could see some more line movement in the Hawkeyes' favor, maybe moving from four and a half to three and a half, like we saw last week between the Hawkeyes and the Hoosiers. Iowa dominant in that performance, especially defensively, picking off Michael Penix Jr. three times, taking two of those to the house and looking great in that secondary under Phil Parker. The offense still has its question marks. Tyler Goodson is as good of a running back as you will find across the country, especially in the Big Ten Conference. But Spencer Petras in that quarterback position, did leave a little bit more to be wanted out of the Iowa Hawkeye fan base in terms of what this team might be able to potentially be. Now, Iowa, the second shortest odds to win the Big Ten Conference Championship at plus 500. Ohio State's the favorite at minus 200. So, Joe, looking across the docket, looking across the slate for Saturday or even Friday, <clears throat> Kansas and Coastal Carolina, any <laughs> other games that really intrigue you and numbers you might expect to move in the coming days? Well, here's one, and I'm going to go off the grid here. We got a Big 12, Pac-12 battle between TCU and California. California had a 14-0 lead against Nevada and Carson Strong. That line opened up at 3-3.5. They lost the ball game outright 22-17. Now they go on the road to face TCU that had a dominant effort at home against Duquesne, 45-3. But I still like the front seven of California in this ball game. They held Nevada to 61 rushing yards. 2.3 yards per carry, but more importantly, Ben, held Carson Strong to 6-16 of 16 on third down conversions. To me, that's the matchup going up against Max Duggan and the TCU offense. This is still an offense that's predicated on pounding the rock consistently in their six wins last year. They rushed for over 200. They held Nevada to 2.3 yards per carry. I think the defense keeps them in this ballgame. I'm not a big believer in, in Garbers, their quarterback, but they can run the football as well. Average 5.1 yards per carry against the front seven of Nevada. Cal might lose this ball game, but does, does cover the 10-point number on the road in Fort Worth. And how about a potential look-ahead spot? Middle Tennessee State goes on the road to face Virginia Tech, right? Seems like a blowout special for the Hokies coming off the dominant win over Sam Howell and the crew. But let's not forget that they do have West Virginia on deck. That's a rivalry that now is renewed in 2021. And you also have Bailey Hockman, the former NC State quarterback that did toss three touchdown passes last week in the in the home win over Monmouth. They go on the road. They're catching 19 and a half, potentially 20 points in this battle. I know Virginia Tech is the better team on paper, but give me Middle Tennessee State plus the 20 points. I think they keep it a lot closer than people think this coming Saturday. That's why we have Joe Lisi on here on the morning after across the Sports Grid Network because not anybody else 
is going to be bringing up Middle Tennessee State <laughs> and covering a spread against Virginia Tech. That's why we give you the winning edge. That is the expertise and insight coming out of Joe Lisi. You mentioned the Pac-12 North game with California going up against TCU. The Pac-12 North needs some good things to happen for them this week. Not only Ohio State hosting Oregon and Cal going on the road to take on TCU, but Washington hits the road in Ann Arbor taking on Michigan. The Wolverines a six and a half point favorite. Michigan looked very good in their season opening win over Western Michigan. I know it's Western Michigan, but still some positive signs out of Jim Harbaugh's company. When you have Cade McNamara tossing the ball all over the yard and looking good, but a huge loss for Michigan happened on Saturday. Their leading receiver, Ronnie Bell, who was dazzling early on in that performance against the Broncos, will miss the rest of the season due to a knee injury that could be very important at the big house on Saturday night against Washington. Michigan, a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home on Saturday night. Joe, another area I look, game number two of the Steve Sarkeesian era for the Texas Longhorns. They are taking on Arkansas in SEC Big 12 matchup. I believe the spread as I pull it up here is six and a half in favor of Texas. They are on the road in Fayetteville this upcoming Saturday. The total is 57 and a half. Arkansas early on was losing to Rice this past Saturday. Did rally for a win, a battle of two unbeaten teams. Texas looked really, really impressive, in my opinion, against Louisiana, a top 25 matchup on Saturday in Austin, winning that game 38-18. to The line moved against Texas. Louisiana was an underdog public darling, moving from 10.5 to 8.5 as the underdog in that game ahead of Saturday's kick against the Longhorns. Texas covering that spread easily, winning by 20 points, 38 to 18 in that matchup. So another good win for Texas to start off the Steve Sarkeesian era in Austin. What did you make out of the Longhorns on Saturday, Joe? Well, B. John Robinson, right? At the start of the year, I, I said he's a potential dark horse in terms of a Heisman Trophy contender, was one of the players of the week this coming season, rushed for over 100 yards, averaged over five yards per carry. And this is going to be an intriguing battle, Ben, because it does renew the days of the, that rivalry from the Southwest Conference, Texas and Arkansas. They played some crazy games in years past. And just to give you an idea about the public sentiment of that victory over top-ranked Louisiana, top 25-ranked Louisiana, Louisiana is that the, you know prior to the kickoff of the 2021 campaign on FanDuel, Texas was a three and a half point favorite. Now after that victory, they ballooned to six and a half, so an extra three points in terms of the value tacked on to Texas in this matchup. I will say this: you have Hudson Card, who's a redshirt freshman, going up in this rivalry type of atmosphere. Keep an eye out for Arkansas secondary, led by Jalen Catalan. They're experienced. They have nine starters back. They're physical KJ Jefferson is an athletic quarterback I know it's Texas I know they stepped up but in this type of rivalry I'm always inclined to take the points give me Arkansas plus the six and a half Saturday night Taking points at home is never a bad thing in this kind of matchup. By the way, Bijan Robinson, the shortest odds on the board in the Heisman Trophy market for anybody that does not play quarterback. He is tied for the sixth shortest odds in the country at 20 to 1 right now to win the Heisman Trophy. We round out our number two with Joe Lisi to end off the hour talking all things college football. We've looked at the conference market, some line movement. Now time to buy or sell on the other side of the break. Stay with us, Sirius XM, Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Rounding out our number two here on the morning after on your Tuesday following Labor Day weekend. I am Ben Stevens alongside Joe Lisi for one final segment here. We have been talking college football all hour long. Let's round it out with a little buy or sell CFB edition. All right, Joe, the most public game of the weekend, at least in our fade the public poll, they said it was the best game of the entire weekend came on Sunday night. Notre Dame and Florida State, the Seminoles, giving the Irish all they could handle, forcing an overtime game. Notre Dame still winning 41 to 38. But Mackenzie Milton was a fantastic storyline. Florida State covering a seven and a half point spread. The Knowles team win total, Joe, entering the season was five and a half. Yes, they lost Saturday, but a lot of positives you could take out of that game for Florida State. So are you buying or selling that Florida State will go over their team win total of five and a half? Well, I'm going to surprise people. I'm going to sell the Florida State Seminoles. Great story by Mackenzie Milton. Happy he's back on the field, but I still saw the same problems that Florida State struggled with in 2020 creep up Saturday night or Sunday night in Tallahassee. Nine total penalties. They had some critical errors in terms of misplacement out in the secondary. And when you look at the road games that they're going to have to play, they still have to play Clemson. They still have to play Miami. They still have to play arch-rival Florida and NC State. Not going to be easy for this team i think it's a great story but this team is still over the past couple of years one in nine on the road or on a neutral field site i'm selling the florida state seminoles the rest of the way in 2021 joe florida state still 80 to 1 to win the acc conference championship that's because they play in the atlantic which is a division in a conference run by Clemson. Joe Lisi, thank you very much for joining us here. You can catch Joe coming up at noon Eastern time, pro football full circle, followed by college football full circle after that, and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern for college football today, previewing the slate of college football on that Saturday. Joe, thank you very much for your time. Anytime, Ben. Love the show. Our number two has come to a close. Our number three, with a smattering of great guests on Trusted Capper Tuesday, is on the other side of the sports update from our very own Alex Fasano. Our number three, the morning after, Sirius XM, Channel 204. Winning isn't a mystery. It requires strategy, a plan, and a few hours a week listening to us. So stop freaking out. Get the winning edge.